Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. Amanda, why are you singing? Why am I singing? Let me tell you why I am singing. Because ding dong, the witch is dead. I said ding dong, the dick is dead. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are we going to say? What, what, what else is there to say? Of course, we haven't reached the finish line yet, right? It's not January 21st. Nonetheless, I think it is safe to say that a lot of us feel a certain sense of whoo, relief, baby, relief, that uh, this motherfucker was voted out. You know, he was voted out. And I genuinely feel like if he were to somehow successfully make a bid to not be voted out, that it would be a real response. Like the same joy that had everyone taken to the streets, like it would be, mm-hmm. it would be a, can you feel the fucking pain? Like that's what it would be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, guys, this is how I heard about this. My man was like, literally like, I woke up to him saying, oh, oh shit, Biden, Biden president. And that was that. And then I had to put my glasses on because you can't hear without your glasses on. People who have limited vision understand this. That That wasn't meant to be an ableist joke. That's just how people like myself who wear glasses feel. So, and then because we lived in such an alternative facts universe for such a substantial amount of time now, I couldn't even believe him until I did my own research. (laughs) So I had to look at my phone like, and there it was. PA came through in the middle of the night, under the darkness of night. It was like Darkwing Duck swooped in and said, here you go. Here's those electoral votes you were looking for. (laughs) Thanks, Penny. Was Penny on Darkwing Duck? I know she was on Inspector Gadget. Darkwing had a Penny of his own, but I can't remember if her name was also Penny. Nonetheless, did you know that Cree Summer voiced Penny on Inspector Gadget? (laughs) But you didn't know that. But I digress. I'm a little giddy. You know, people on my Instagram have been saying that I look like I have joy in my heart again, <laughs> that I have a sparkle, a twinkle in my eye again. And I got to tell you, I just, I shucks. <sighs> there were so many people that had so much writing on this. I saw a video of this white grandmother. I like to believe she was in Ohio. She seemed very Ohioan. And, uh, she was being filmed and she was bawling looking at Morning Joe announce that Biden had won. And I think it was her daughter that was filming her. And she was like, why are you so relieved? And she was like, because we get to keep our Medicaid and our healthcare, Amy. And like, I have chills. Every time I think about it, I have chills because that was a concern that I didn't even know about. I didn't even know about. And then she like threw her head back in just like relief and just like thanked God. And then her house phone rang <laughs> because that had to be Sylvia calling to be like, Gwen, did you hear? You know? So I think for all of us who wanted this to happen, there is a renewed sense 
of promise, of possibility. And thus, we felt it apropos to make this episode Side Effects of Hope. Let's get into it. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We dropping on these hoes. So today's jam dropping is hope versus uncertainty. Okay, so uncertainty is always ever present, right? Because the fact of the matter is we really don't know how things are going to go. But we feel, at best I feel, a lot of us feel like when we can have a considerate assurance that the plans that we have put into motion are more possible than they're not. Like it would take the most ridiculous thing or it just feels like it would have to be some fluke or some accident that would derail it. But when you've been living in these times of of recent years, uncertainty becomes a way of life where you just feel like you can't even make plans. Like I was buying new furniture for my man and I, and I had to pause and decide like, babe, are you sure you want to, like, do we, do we, should we even buy this furniture? Because who knows if we even go be here. And like, I mean, he's, you know, a cockeyed optimist. So he's like, baby, just get the furniture, you know, whatever. You know, even if we have to go, we'll figure out what to do with it. And I'm just like, I'm the real-time realist. And I'm like, yeah, but what if we have to escape in the middle of the night? (laughs) And I think also that's me coming from like an immigrant background and knowing that like these things have had to happen in a way that I feel like a lot of Americans may not intimately relate to. But like one of my professors like escaped in the middle of the night from South Africa. My physician, his parents escaped from Iran. Like, we gotta be out. So that was like a real thing that I was genuinely concerned about. And I think, and and it's related to the fact that, you know, we have all been living in a place of uncertainty and uncertainty is this feeling that you can never really be grounded. Now, hope isn't any more certain than uncertainty in reality, but in your mind it is. And your mind is essentially where everything lives anyway, right? Because for all intents and purposes, again, you cannot control how things are going to go. You can only control how you're going to react to them and how you're going to move. And when you have hope in the mix, it's different because hope is this idea that regardless of the uncertainty, whatever happens is going to be good. That's what hope is. It's this cognitive decision that what's coming down the pike is what you want, even if you're not certain of what it is. And it has felt impossible for a lot of us to even have that in a grand way. I think, you know, some of us, like, we may have that in, like, these small little morsel ways, but then COVID came in, you know? And then George Floyd and the uprisings came in, and, like, and and that was on the heels of what had already been going on, which is the presence of this fucking psychopath, Donald Trump. And so little by little, our hope eroded into uncertainty, where it seemed almost foolhardy to consider that the best would be coming around the corner, because every day something shitty did. And for a lot of us who operate on logic and realism, it's like, damn, when you feel like it's just illogical to have hope because of the landscape... It's really a scary time. And then you'll have people who are cockeyed optimists and be like, you're negative. And it's like, I'm not negative. I'm just practical. And so uncertainty will always be in the mix. However, hope is the decision that 
you're certain something good is coming for you, regardless of how. And that dichotomy is what a lot of us woke up feeling when we heard that Biden won. And I see people saying things like, you know, I'm sorry to the Trump voters, and I know you're disappointed. Fuck that. Fuck that. I don't really give up. I'm not trying to fuck that. Fuck that. Please. I hate y'all who be trying to be like so fucking gracious and Christian, or I put that in quotes, Christian. Get the hell out of here. These people are here for your demise. Okay. People have been here for your demise, plotting your demise. It doesn't make you any less of a person to not extend you know, an extra morsel of compassion to them. I'm not saying that you have to be like, fuck y'all, even Even though though I'm like, like, fuck fuck y'all. But it's always seems like there's like this idea that like, no, we're the bigger people. That ain't never got us nowhere. You know what got us to this place of hope? Is people being on the ground consistently, people on their platforms consistently, people in their families and at the dinner table consistently pushing the messaging that, counters what our national messaging has been for the last four years, which is that facts don't matter and that you don't matter. And somehow that was coming from a place of hope. It was deep, 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 deep seated hope because the uncertainty had overpowered, but there was this little, little place of hope in all of us that said, like, if I, if I do this and I commit to this, something good will come out of this. And there were so many apathetic folks And maybe that's the real gem drop, you know, apathy versus hope. Because apathy is really the act of saying, like, I don't care. I don't care. And a lot of people just got to a place where they were just like, I don't care. You know, and they thought that I don't care wasn't an action, but it is. Not caring is an action. Hope is the idea that even though you don't know what's going to happen, you do care. And so you're going to put your best foot forward and err on the side of possibility. And a lot of us are really happy that we get to do that as of today. First question. What do you do when you've become so woke to how shitty the world is as a whole that hope becomes pointless? I mean, you know, that's when some people take their lives. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's that going to do? Right? So what you do is you reassess what you're here for. And only you can really determine that, you know. Um, But you are here. You know, people go through incredible tragedy and grief, and they're still here. And so it becomes, well, what am I here for? And I think I have an ex who used to say, you can't save the world. You can just focus on saving your world. And yes, he was a terrible person, but he had great phrases. He had incredible insight when he wanted to. And I I still stand behind that statement because I think it really can become incredibly overwhelming to try and think about like the world as a whole and all that goes along with it. However, when you just think about like, okay, what can I do? And there's a great video by Carl Sagan. There's a great talk Carl Sagan did on the pale blue dot. And you can find it on YouTube. And he talks about just how like the earth is literally just a pale blue dot, like in the midst of this massive universe. And 
We're here arguing over the most mundane, like myopic fucking bullshit when we're really just a dot in the universe. And when you think about it that way, your hope springs eternal because you're able to see beyond what's just here, like in front of your face. And when you can see beyond that, then you start thinking beyond that. And, you know, that's where a lot of creatives exist. Um, you know, in a space beyond the limitations of what's actually just like here. And I find that when I'm at my lowest, it's because I boxed myself into only thinking about what I can see. And, you know, that's where faith gets in the mix. And hope is really just like, you know, non-denominational faith. (laughs) that's, That's really what hope is. I mean, hope is really just like secular faith. It's the idea that you don't, know how everything could go. So there's no reason to believe that it could be all bad. Next question. How do you instill hope in those who are hell-bent on remaining hopeless? I should connect you to the person who just sent the last question because, you know, I'm not saying they're hell-bent on being hopeless by any means, but I know what you mean. There are some people who are just like, I don't want to hear anything optimistic. You can't instill hope in anybody. I don't believe that. It comes from within. There's something that's got to come from within you. So somebody who's hell-bent on being hopeless, you know, the real way that you find out how to instill hope in them is you figure out, well, what's blocking them from being able to to get into that source in themselves? For some people, it's clinical and that, you know, there's medication. But for other people, you know, it might be trauma that they have not faced. It might be some truth that they're not revealing to you or to themselves for that matter. It might be like even just their circumstances and, you know, what they're surrounded by. There's a number of reasons why, but ultimately when it comes down to asking the questions of how can you instill hope in somebody, you cannot instill hope in anybody. There is the work of possibly being able to show somebody the ways in which they are preventing themselves from finding hope. And that itself is also taxing work and can become toxic work. But you can't, it's not an injection. It's not like you can get a syringe of hope, you know, like you can find a unicorn and withdraw its blood and it's going to have like flecks of glitter and joy and hope and then have like a hope transfusion and like rush to the hospital. Like I've got the unicorn blood. I got it. You know, and then set it up in the intravenous and like run that shit through. Like that's, there's no like unicorn hope dialysis machines. It's not a thing. So all you can really do is in the, best of scenarios is be demonstrative, be the unicorn. And you won't always be able to do that. You know, I found myself having to unicorn it quite a bit. I think that's maybe why I like, it's not maybe why I like, but that's one of the reasons why I like my, my dude, because he's down to unicorn it. He's like, that's like his, his thing. I'm more the cynic, you know, but I think there's a nurturing and a, and a, there's a hopefulness that you have for this other person to be able to like get out of their own way. And that's a beautiful and noble thing. Just don't, you know, waste your energy. At a certain point it becomes wasting. Sorry, I'm yawning. Um, I'm yawning because just like delirium, you know, d- just delirious joy is tiring. It's tiring. 
So those are my thoughts on that. Next question. Do you think hope was passed down from our ancestors? It's really all I have most days. I have zero friends, single AF, lost most days, yet I was able to manifest this life in my head and to be so close to living it is hope. I know that shit had to have been passed down because ain't nobody out here trying to help me. Well, God damn it. I want you to have friends. And because you hope you will. Like, I guess maybe I'm just like sappy today because like we actually accomplished something that's joyful, but manifesting is like the illest shit when it happens. Cause it always reminds you that this, this shit, shit really do be happening, yo. Cause like you get to a point sometimes where you're like, I don't know, B. I don't know. Like, what's the point of all of this? And it may make you stop. Now I will say, what's the point of all of this? I will ask that rhetorically, but I never stop. So I think that there's something true to you, what you're saying about like, do you think hope was passed down by the ancestors? I think that yes, like there is this ever willing desire to live. And that essentially is where hope springs from, you know, this constant desire to continue to move forward, to continue to adapt, to evolve. You know, I think that comes from hope. I mean, some people, you know, their, their hope gets distorted into some nasty mean shit. You know, they'll say like, oh, animals are not sentient beings and they don't have hope or whatever. But it's like, you can't tell me that my dog is not hoping that I will throw this squeaky chicken so that he will catch it. Like I can see the hope in his eyes. I can see it. And you can't tell me when you're, when you're seeing, you know, animals that are like trying to evade their predators, that they're not moving on the action of hoping that they will survive. So I, I think that, yes, it is passed down from our ancestors. And I think it's passed down just within our DNA to consider something better, you know, to consider something better. And, and at our lowest points, it seems like, to your point, that can be like the only option. Like it may seem like the only currency. It may seem like the only nourishment, but it can get you just far enough to see something in a tangible form that then proves aha aha that's why I had that hope mm-hmm. that's why I had that hope next question how do you safely place hope in people with the maturity to know that even a clean record of accountability and integrity people can still fall short how do I avoid being disappointed when I get my hopes up specifically about human behavior I mean, disappointment is just kind of part for the course. The only way to not be disappointed is to just not have any stake in that person and just to always have a healthy concept that like, I hope this happens, but if it doesn't, it's fine. That's kind of like the only kind of way, but ultimately like disappointment is also like kind of a thing. I think we we work really hard at not wanting to be disappointed because we don't like the feeling. I mean, I, I sure as hell don't fucking like it. But it's also just like a part of life that you may not get what you want. Ta-da. And I think there's also like a healthy amount of disappointment and then there's a silly amount. Like someone showing you they ass one time like you're disappointed, okay. But again, what's the saying go? Like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. 
It's like, you know, if you keep putting hope behind something that shows you that it doesn't deliver, then that's the difference of hope and delusion. You know, so you got to get realistic. Like when you talk to parents who have children who are addicts, like they always have a healthy sense of hope. But at a certain point, they have to get a certain amount of practicality and realism about the reality of their child. And so they will still, you know, instill their sense of hope into the conversation, into their efforts, into their actions. But you'll see that at a certain point, they also realize like, I can only do so much. I can only do so much because like we said in a couple questions earlier, if this person doesn't have hope in them, like I can't make them want to not be an addict anymore. I can't make them want to get clean. I can't. And that's why people go to rehab 50, 11 times until they hopefully have a moment where they're like, I actually want a better life for myself. And so this time it's going to work. That's hope. That's hope. And your brain has all these different elements in it, these, all these different sections in your brain that create the ability to be able to have like those types of thoughts. And when you fuck with those places and spaces in your neural net, it does affect your ability to have like the consciousness and logic around hope. That's why I said like for some people it's clinical because the chemicals in their brain are preventing them from being able to really attach to this in a real way. So you're going to be disappointed sometimes. You can prevent yourself from setting yourself up for disappointment in the best case by just not bidding on a bad horse. You know, that's like when, when Ciara got with, with future, I was like, sis, I understand you got a good heart, but this is just a, you know, this is a bad horse. And then she was like, you know what? And she did the Sierra prayer and now she's with Russell Wilson. She has a beautiful family. And so, you know, for a lot of us out here who want to be able to make that transition to doing better for ourselves and to making better choices and to actually letting our hope lead us into making smart choices, not into making desperate choices. A lot of us should be doing the Sierra prayer. (laughs) Whatever prayer she did, we should be doing. I did the Sierra prayer and now I'm with the love of my life. So ba-dum-ba. Next question. What's the best way to galvanize your hope into meaningful actions? That's a dope question. Well, I think if we're talking, let's just like use the now as an example. It's like, okay, if you hope to defund the police, then you look for people who share the same hope and explore like what actions they're taking. You know, it's solution-based. If you have a hope to prevent the extinction of a certain animal, then you got to figure out, okay, well, start doing the research of, well, how much are left and what are their practices and their mating practices and who's already doing the work. I think what's great is that for a lot of the things that we are hopeful about that require actions and supportive solution, there are people who have already started doing that work. So you're not starting from scratch. If you are like, I want to be the head of the foundation that transitions rappers who have fallen to Republican capitalist rhetoric in support of Donald Trump back to the barbecue. If that's like a hope for you, like you might be a Lone Ranger on that path. You might be the maverick of that of that work. And by those rappers, I mean people like Little Wayne, like Kanye West, like Little Pump, otherwise known as Little Pimp, 50 Cent, 50, 50 Cent, you know, Ice Cube, you know, he may, he, we don't know how far he was with it. So maybe he'll just take like the internet class. But ultimately, 
that's like, you might be on your own with that one. But let's say your hope is that you want to be a part of helping teachers who are teaching during COVID and figuring out how you can support their work. There's so many foundations out here that are doing that work um, and that are really trying to find different ways to do that. I mean, some are small, some are big, but ultimately that's That's a, that's a basic Google. So I think when we talk about like how you take your hope into direct actions, you start with, okay, you have a hope. And then what do you feel like is the on the ground solution for seeing that hope come to fruition? And then you get to work with connecting the dots on where on the ground those things are and how you can get connected to them. People I like. Yeah. You know who I like? I like the people of Detroit, the people of Philadelphia. The people of Milwaukee, the people of Atlanta, specifically the black people in these major metropolitan cities who came out in record numbers to see this election through. I'd also like to shout out the native people of this nation who came out in record numbers to see this change through. I'd also like to shout out the black women who, beyond anybody else's numbers, came out to see this nation through something like 92% or like 82, some 88%. It's a, it's a, it's a high, high number of black women who were like, no, 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 not today, devil, not today, not today. No, because you know, these white women went up in their defense. Yeah, they did. They went up in their defense of, of voting for a trash motherfucker, Donald Trump. So you got to look out for them. And again, not all white people are bad. I don't even feel like I should have to say that, but just for the hell of it, not all white people are bad, but enough of y'all are bad where we have to really side eye. Cause what the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? You know, I mean, who y'all voting for? Like, who is it? Like, who are you voting for Trump for? So back to the lecture at hand, these metropolitan cities and these folks in these cities, they galvanized, man. And it's just so touching and overwhelming to me because I was really caught in the undertow of the internet and the narrative that had been so effectively and pervasively spread throughout its corridors that black people did not see any point in voting, that black people were in support of Trump, that black people were caught up on the need for um, continuously calling out Kamala as a DA and calling out Joe Biden and the crime bill and keeping those two things as like a beacon of negativity or, and, and, and for what it's worth, like some, in some cases they were considering those two things to be equal to and greater than the effects that Trump has had in such a short time. Fascinating, aggravating, frustrating. I was in the throes of that in the breach and to wake up and see that In real life, that was not the case, was just emotional. It was was really affirming that um, even though there's a lot of shitty-ass, trash-ass people, 70 million to be exact, 
there were more people who were like, yeah, nah, we're not going to let this shit ride. Morality and ethics actually still matter to us. They do. And I will forever be thankful to those in those communities and the organizers who got behind this cause and the necessity of this cause in those communities and, and the individuals who really saw the bigger picture and were able to understand the value in voting for us, not just ourselves as individuals and seeing how, you know, you're not going to necessarily get the candidate that you exactly want, but you still need to get a candidate that gives you the best option at doing what you need to be done for your community. And I think that's what was lost on a lot of people, but not on the people of Philadelphia, Atlanta, Detroit, and Milwaukee. The black people of those cities stood up, stood in line, did what needed to be done and should forever be applauded and um, appreciated because this once and for all proves that your vote does matter. Your vote does matter. And it also proves that when we show up in record numbers, we make a dent. We make a change. Yes. Because you have to understand, they never expect black folks to show up. That's what they do all this work, all this brainwashing, et cetera. They don't expect us to show up, you know, because they really think that we're dumb. And so they think that all their brainwashing and tactical efforts to, to gerrymander and all these ways in which they were trying to suppress votes, et cetera, they think it's going to be so effective because ultimately they really, you know, still be thinking that we're less than. And it's so funny because it's, it's just simply not true. And then on the other hand, you have the folks that know that we're not less than. So they go even harder with that shit because they're like, man, if these, oh man, if these children of the earth get a chance. They gonna wipe us all out, and it's like it ain't even go, it ain't even gonna be violent. And the 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 T, the real T, is that more and more it's becoming less of a black and white thing and more of a do you want to see a good world or naw thing. That's essentially, and and the truth of the matter is like there will be cultural and ethnic differences. Even once we are able to do away with race, there will be those differences and there's beauty in difference. It's not like it has to be a negative thing. There's beauty and uniqueness and just such a, uh, such a rich diversity in, in uniqueness and culture as Dr. Barbara Sizemore speaks about you know, is a thing that continues to move and grow and that we have to be protecting our culture, particularly as black folks in America, because if we want to continue to move and grow in this country, we cannot continue to let our culture be usurped. And so when I see these folks coming out to vote as a community, as black folks, I feel like what I'm seeing is hope in the preservation of our culture and of our wellness. And when we demonstrate that, we're not just doing it to the people counting the votes. We're doing it to each other, which is more important. And that is really, really key. I think a lot of us got to see each other, support each other. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been very like disenchanted with how the black community has been activating. And this gave me hope. That, that one time. Ah, that one time. You know, hope, I always say that hope is a sea upon which you can sail to solid ground. Because there have been so many times 
so, so many times just in my career, in my lifetime where I just didn't have hope. Um, I kind of like ran out and I just felt real like downtrodden and melancholy about where I could go or where I have been and what I'm trying to do. And I've had that in a number of spaces, right? Like I know a lot of us have that in romance, right? I know particularly black women in our late thirties, there's a lot of hopelessness running around. Cause we're just like, where are like, particularly that want to date black men. There's a definite feeling that I get from a lot of my peers of just like, how, how is this going to work? You know, listen, I had to go and back into time. I had to time travel to get my nigga. Like I had to go back to 2000 shit. I've known him since 1999. So I could technically say I've known him since the nineties. But if I'm being honest, like I didn't see that in my plan. Like I didn't, that was never, I wasn't sitting around like, yeah, like that's what I'm going to do. It just happened. And I went with it and I was open to go with it because I knew I had done the work. So I didn't feel like I was being taken on a ride. Nonetheless, I know that feeling because I have been there with so many of, of my sisters and just feeling like, damn, how am I ever going to achieve the life that I want for myself in the personal space? And I would say that the biggest way to me of like finding hope is understanding that it again comes from within you. And so many of us are waiting for the hope to be delivered to us by some other source. And that is where we fail every time. Every time that I've been hopeless and found hope, it was because I found it in myself. Now, it's not to say that there weren't other people who may have, you know, spoken a word to me or who I, whom I may have witnessed that inspired something in me. I'm not saying that that wasn't possibly the case. But what I am saying is that waiting around for like someone to demonstrate a reason why you should have hope is going to get you into trouble every time. Every time, because a lot of times too, you're, you're so, you're hope, you're so hopeless. You're not even putting yourself in the position to attract that kind of energy. So you have to be the one. And that's why I always say on this podcast, like, it's really all in you. It's really all in you. And as Jessica Lanyadu says on her, on her podcast, ghost of a podcast, don't ever abandon yourself. Do not abandon yourself. Because when you do, no one, like, who's, who can you depend on to save you? You might get lucky. You might. But we don't know. And I know that I have really, like, had to just pick myself up and off the ground and step into hope more than, an, uh, like, a few times. And I'll give you some examples of those. But just around the romance thing, I will say, like, my hope in this space came from me ultimately knowing that no matter what happens, it's the best thing. And also that if I do everything I'm supposed to do, I get what I want. And I think a lot of us don't admit that we're not doing everything we need to do. And that could mean saying no. That could mean, you know, going without and we'd be like, why do I got to do that? And it's like, that just may be what you need to do. So for those of you out there who on the romance scene feel hopeless, I hear you and know that it's never too late for, for good shit 
not that it's never too late, but it's like you just never know when good shit is coming around the corner. So the hope is you being always prepared for the fact that it will because you deserve it. And when I started telling myself, like, you know what? Only good things will happen to you. Only good things will come to you. It's not like bad things don't happen, but I would always reaffirm, like, only good things will come to you. You are destined only for good things. I would tell myself that all the time. When I would find myself in a sense of uncertainty or even apathy, I would just be like, you are only destined for good things. And I would try and bring that energy around. When I was in, it was like 2000 and maybe six. And I was on Twitter, like complaining. I may have told this story before, so I apologize if you've heard it. But I was just like complaining about feeling like I just didn't have, like I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was just like kind of down. I was just like, it couldn't have been 2006 because I got on Twitter in 2008. So it may have been 2008, 2009. And I was just real, just like bereft and was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And DJ Envy saw these tweets and he called me and he was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) Like, I just feel like I don't have any direction. I don't have any idea of what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like, I just don't know. And he was like, so make a way. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're sitting over here complaining, but make a way. He's like, you're a host. You've been on TV. He's like, whatever your assets are, put them together, figure out places in different cities that, you know, do what you want, that, that have money, reach out to them, make a way. Here's the thing. So what I started doing was I started sourcing, like I took his advice because he was, I mean, he was giving it to me raw. That's why whenever you see me on the breakfast club, I'm like, these are my family because they really are. Like I have had low points and high points with each of them in my life. And they have all shown up in each of those times. Ange, Charlemagne, Envy, all in individual times. I have individual relationships with all three of them. So I took Envy's advice. I started like trying to figure it out. I remember I hit up like a spot in um, Jacksonville. I hit up another spot in Philadelphia. I started looking at colleges and hitting up colleges and they were very much just like, okay, we'll keep you in mind. And some of them were like, okay, well, we got this coming up. So we'll, you know, we'll look into it. And none of them ever even transpired, but all of those calls felt like hope because it was me taking control of my fucking life and not sitting around and waiting for something to happen. So I was creating hope by simply just moving, by creating possibility with movement. And possibility is hope. And that was like a really like life lesson for me because I've had a number of times after that where you just get stuck and you're like, okay, I can cry about this for like today. And then I got to like start creating possibility. And a lot of us don't know how to do that. We don't know how to create possibility. We don't know how to create hope for ourselves. We only know how to wait for it to show up by someone else. We've got to stop that. We've got to, particularly as black folks in America. We have to stop that. I see so many people who are talking about this election and their vote not mattering and apathy and all this bullshit. And it really sounds this to me like people who want something to be given to them or people who feel like because we're owed, we should get. And it's like, yes, but also you have to use your critical thinking to take it a step further in thought and say that life is not fair. So because life is not fair and because people don't always give you what you want, you have to move differently. I remember Bevy Smith. 
Bevy Smith would tell me, she's like, I know that you're frustrated. I know that you look at other people and you think, damn, like, what am I doing wrong? And she's like, you cannot do that. Your path is different and it will be longer. And she told me that at least three different times in my career. And each time it was right on time. And so the hope in that is in knowing that as long as you keep going, what's for you will arrive. And it, again, it's just secular faith. It's just having the concept that goodness is around the corner as long as you just keep going. The last dose. So here we are in America, a whole nation and... According to the popular vote, the majority has decided to look around the corner and keep going and put our hope, not in Joe Biden and not in Kamala Harris, but put our hope in the prospect that when we choose a leader who actually knows how to lead or who actually has the capability, that we are setting ourselves up for better choices to come. And I think ultimately that's where our hope has to stem from in this time. Not in expecting that everything is going to be perfect or not expecting that everything is going to be immediately changed, but in understanding that when we vote, we do have power to push the needle in the direction that is best for, for us all. This is a victory for so many groups of people. I can't even name them, but ultimately it's a victory for our peace of mind and the idea that we can now start trying to plan again, the idea that we can consider a world without, or a nation at least without COVID again, simply because there's people in the white house that are going to believe in science, you know, simply because there's people in the white house that believe in human beings being preserved more than dollars. I want y'all to know, like I'm celebrating with y'all. We're all celebrating together. Like, you know, just seeing the world erupt in joy was incredible. We're going to look back on this time like, woo, remember that? It's that bad relationship. You know, like when I think about the relationship I was in for the last, like last year, I'm like, woo, shit. Remember that? <laughs> and the shit just, just ended. But you already know. So, you know, Smile. And I know that there's a lot of work to do. And I know that we have to continue to keep these people's feet to the fire. And I know that Black folks specifically need to demand what we are owed and what we deserve in terms of our communities being prioritized and there being shifts made that have continuously and systemically held us back. Like all of those things have to take place. At the same time, we can celebrate. At the same time, we can be hopeful. And I need to, again, reiterate that hope does not mean complacency. It actually means movement. I hope because I can. And you can do so much. So let's keep going. A podcast network.